You're listening to the Fearless Kitchen Podcast. And now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Hello again. Welcome to the Fearless Kitchen. You are with Vanessa. And we are proudly supported and partnered by World Podcasts. So, guys, welcome to another story brought to you from Cape Cod in the USA. And I wish I could say it was brought to you directly from there. But of course, it's brought to you from New Zealand, where I'm sitting now. And my memories of that period that I lived on Cape Cod, which was 20 years ago. I'll take what's good. So straight into my story, I decided to wrap this episode around some of the experiences I had in Cape Cod for cooking seafood. Because of course, I was from Australia, I'd spent some time in London Uh, But, of course, I was still quite young uh, when I headed over to America to cook. I'd had a lot of experience cooking with fresh produce in Australia. I'd had some experience of some recipes from Asia because uh, Perth is pretty close to Southeast Asia and I'd had some uh, experience with the Vietnamese shops and uh, Balinese flavours and things in Perth. Then, of course, I got to London and London, in those days, a good, you know, 25 years ago, I can't say, well, I probably couldn't really afford to be out and about too much in the food scene. And it wasn't really that flash of food scene 25 years ago. So I guess, you know, I was a good cook, but my repertoire and the breadth of it was probably fairly narrow. And of course, it was the days before the internet. So you pretty much had the opportunity uh, presented by whatever cookbooks you had around. And so when I started the job in Cape Cod, thankfully, you know, they were foodies, they loved their food. So they did have quite a breadth of cookbooks, but most of them were American cookbooks. And oh gosh, I wasn't really terribly inspired by them. And no disrespect to American cookbooks. I mean, I have some now that are absolutely amazing and probably, you know, up there in my top five cookbooks are a couple of American ones. But the ones that they had were not very inspiring. And uh, I really, in the end, my cooking fell into a situation of asking around. So I really was relying on conversations with people who lived on the Cape, whether they be, you know, the guy that served me drinks at a bar, you know, what do you like to cook? What's the best fish around the place? What's uh, in season at the moment? The same with the girl at the fruit and veg shop, the same at the little market. There was no supermarket that I shopped at. I just shopped at local stores, a local bakery for the bread. They had a really great um, gourmet kind of organic store, which was in those days one of the very first ones I'd probably ever stepped foot in. And people were really friendly and willing to share. And as always, you know, people are very passionate about the food um, that comes from their own area. So people were really willing to share recipes and ideas. And as I made friends, I would talk to them or to their parents. Um, and whoever was around to try to glean as much knowledge as possible. But the one thing that I found really tricky was the seafood. And partly this was because, of course, it was so different to the seafood that I had been used to uh, from growing up in Australia. 
and also I had uh, experienced lobster before, but I certainly hadn't grown up with my mum cooking fresh lobster all the time for us. And indeed, I had never cooked lobster myself. So I remember the first uh, occasion of needing to cook lobster and, and feeling quite nervous about it and heading off down to the seafood store and getting the fresh lobster from there and bringing it home. And thankfully at the time, uh, well, you may think, my goodness, why would I be thankful about this? But I actually had a film director and his wife uh, and their family staying and that's who I had to cook it for. But the thankful part of it, albeit uh, quite, you know, um, serious people that I was cooking for. The good part about it was that the film director's wife was hanging out in the kitchen when I arrived home with the fresh lobster and she was very, very quick to let me know that these lobster absolutely needed to stay alive until the moment that I was going to cook them and that, you know, I couldn't uh, just sort of pop them into some water and uh, fresh water and that this would not be ideal for the rest of the day and that I needed to keep them in the fridge um, and kind of stun them and blah, blah, blah. And then we got to how I was going to cook them and I needed to have my boiling salted water and plunge them in. Holy cow. Well, thankfully, she was fantastic. And I just quietly mentioned to her that it was the first time I'd ever cooked lobster. Uh, and she was really, really nice and didn't, um, you know, hint to anybody else, uh, particularly my boss, to let them know that I'd never cooked lobster before, but gave me her gems and pearls of wisdom around how to cook them. And, and it was really successful. But also that day around the lobster, I was told categorically that I must serve them with turned butter. And I think I've mentioned this in another podcast that I wasn't sure what the term turned butter was. And so I hastily rang my girlfriend, Kelly, and asked her, you know, what's turned butter? And she checked with her stepdad, who said, I think Vanessa will know it as clarified butter. So thank goodness, you know, for knowledge around other people because you couldn't Google it. There was no such thing as Google. And, uh, you know, again, it was just, in a way, looking back, really good fun because you had to find out this information by making phone calls and chatting to people and gaining knowledge from others' knowledge. And it was, I don't know, we kind of miss that nowadays. Nowadays, it's just, you know, grab your phone, Google it, find the answer and get on. Anyway, let it be said, I cooked up a fantastic meal of fresh lobster and turned butter in little mini glasses. And I can't remember what else I put with it because it was an awfully long time ago, but it was a huge success and I got the tick of approval for the way I cooked my lobster. So that was cool. The other new ingredient for me uh, that had, you know, a season on Cape Cod that everyone got excited about was little neck clams. And I had never had little neck clams before either. So again, you know, this was kind of all new for me. And I was really spoiled because my boss, took me out for dinner or they took me out for dinner one evening and I actually got to experience some raw little neck clams served on ice at a restaurant and that was really cool and a really um, fun um, New England experience because uh, little neck clams are native to New England shores and there is this amazing season where everyone eats them and really thoroughly enjoy them. 
But of course, I had to cook them too. So I needed to learn that process as well. And uh, they said they'd love them with uh, pasta. And thankfully on their bookshelf, and this is where my cookbook story kind of comes back into the episode, on their bookshelf, they had the River Cafe cookbook, their first River Cafe cookbook from London that they had been given as a gift. This was my Bible in that home. I totally fell in love with the River Cafe of London, albeit I had not eaten there. And this is actually, the River Cafe is where Jamie Oliver trained um, and Rose Gray, oh, well, anyway, Rose Gray, she has no idea who I am, of course, but she became my hero because I literally cooked every single recipe in that book from cover to cover and back again while I was in uh, this position in Cape Cod. And thankfully they had an awesome recipe in there for spaghetti vongole, which is um, a wonderful dish with touch of chili and garlic and oil and clams. And I'm pretty sure also lots of freshly chopped uh, parsley. And we had a beautiful herb garden at the home in Cape Cod. So Herbs were never a problem. And I remember following this recipe and using the little neck clams uh, in that recipe for the pasta. And it was such a hit. I had people literally coming into the kitchen with their bowls, wanting more and more and more. And it was just like one of those dishes that I remember being the hero that night in having created such a delicious dish. So that was really exciting. Uh, And again, the guys down at the fish shop reminded me that the little neck clam has to be kept alive until they're cooked. Uh, And the shell, of course, opens as you cook it much like a muscle and you discard the clams, you know, if they don't open. So uh, that was sort of a new phase for me. Uh, And if you ever are in New England around uh, clam season, make sure you do try some because you can steam them, boil them, saute them and even have them raw. So, and they're really cool. They're really, really cool. It's a great memory for me. The other uh, fish, this one is a fish that I had to cook with uh, that I hadn't before was sea bass. Uh, And cooking with fish is fine. I mean, that's kind of like, that's pretty easy for me. So I had lots of recipes up my sleeve for, for fish. So that was okay. But it was great to, you know, experience having a different type of fish to cook with. Anyway, because I was asking around at the pubs and down at the fish store about sea bass and how people liked it and how they cooked it and how it was served. Uh, One of the guys that I became friends with said, you know, do you want to come and fish for it one one night? Well, I'm really not a hunter-gatherer, but I thought, look, here we are on Cape Cod. I need to probably go and have this experience of fishing for sea bass. Well, unbeknown to me, you fish for sea bass apparently in the middle of the night and down on the beach and I had the Jeep so I think they were quite excited if I was going to come along, these two guys that were going to go fishing, if I was going to go along because um, I had the Jeep that could go down onto the sand in four-wheel drive and they didn't so I had the vehicle and I was happy to come Uh, and oh my goodness, it was insanely cold. I just remember being so cold and really not into fishing. So off I went um, and collected these guys who were totally dressed from neck to toe in these, you know, winter 
completely waterproof coats and they had their boots and they were all set up for their fishing. They thought I was completely underdressed and totally inappropriately prepared for a night of fishing down at the beach, you know, late at night. I actually had not realised that's what we were even going to do. So (laughs) it really was a crazy, crazy situation and not an experience that any of us particularly enjoyed because the guys were quite cross with me because I wanted to sit in the car on the beach and watch them and not get involved because I was so cold. All I could think of was putting the heater on and trying to stay warm. And I couldn't even really watch them because it was pitch black uh, on the beach. Anyway, they enjoyed themselves. They were grumpy with me for not participating, but they enjoyed themselves and they got their sea bass. And at least now I can quite honestly say that I understand where the sea bass comes from, how difficult it is to actually fish for late at night in the waves uh, and treat it with a great deal of respect when I do have an opportunity to cook the beautiful sea bass from the shores of Cape Cod in the United States. So they're kind of my fishy tales. I also do remember being very privileged and being taken out for a few meals and actually having lobster on the Cape uh, and in Boston at restaurants um, and just thinking how absolutely divine it was and it really is such a treat to be able to eat lobster like that and to pull that beautiful white flesh apart and dip it into the clarified butter and if anybody's listening is not sure what clarified butter is it's where you heat the butter on a very very low temperature until it separates and then you just take the white foamy stuff as it separates it you get the very, very clear yellow butter and then you get kind of the cloudy uh, white residue of butter and you take the white off and then you've just left with this beautiful clarified clear butter and it's just such a treat to dip the beautiful white lobster flesh into. So that's my story of my time doing fish, seafood and different dishes in Cape Cod. Uh, and having to be fearless in just creating and being able to cook with product that I hadn't yet known, uh, with no Google or internet to be able to look up different chefs' ideas around those dishes, but to just be brave and throw myself into it, ask around and uh, to glean as much knowledge as I, as I could and then just get on and do it. And, you know, that has always been my philosophy moving forward and I'm sure that some of those moments on the Cape very much assisted me in my time when I was a contestant on MasterChef here in New Zealand because I often felt quite under pressure in that environment in America, even though I didn't have a TV camera or a judge looking down at me as I cooked, I was very aware that I needed to create a dish that would be appealing and acceptable to the people who were employing me in their home. And when you're using ingredients that are pricey, you can't buy extra and give it a go in advance. You need to be confident enough in your technique and skill that you can cook it, get it right first time and serve it up. So I did that and my mission to any of you who are listening is to grab a new ingredient this week. 
Obviously, it doesn't have to be something as expensive as a lobster, but grab something new. In fact, on my Facebook page this last week, someone actually from the States mentioned that they'd never cooked tofu. And my shout out to her is, have you gone and bought that tofu and given it a try? And I think everyone at some point over this week who's listening today should grab themselves an ingredient that they've often wondered how to cook. Uh, it's not going to be that hard for you guys, you know. You can Google it. So grab something new, Google a recipe, find something that reads quite well and that you think you like the look of, or email me, message me on Facebook, or touch base over my website and let me know what is it you would like to cook that you haven't cooked before and what would be my advice or my tip for you because I would love to share that with you and I'd love to know what it is that you're going to try and be inspired to try after listening to this episode today. Thanks again for following me on the journey. Thanks again for tuning in and listening here. It is always so exciting to share my stories with you. Thanks again to World Podcasts and to the awesome Tony Morell who has done the introduction to this podcast, uh, The Fearless Kitchen. See you next week, guys.